Welcome, everyone, to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. And Kono Karuda! This is episode 93, and we're reviewing part three, Stardust Crusaders Judgment, part one. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. We are on to the next mini arc. We are on to Judgment, which uh, is wild to me. This arc is so wild. Um, it's, it's really fucked up, too. If you think about it. Yeah. But I was also thinking with this, like, Polnareff has gotten a lot of starring episodes, hasn't he? He has. <laughs> That's why people love him. Yeah, I think this is 10. Like, I think this is a uh, a sequel of sorts to uh, the Emperor and the Hanged Man arc, which was, I think, about 10 episodes ago. Uh, because it, like Polnareff is confronted once again with his past and also having to deal with Avdal's death. But yeah, the way that we get to that point is of course it, it's done in true Jojo's bizarre fashion, but it's also done in a way that makes you feel really uneasy. Yeah, for sure. And there's, yeah, there's a lot that I want to unpack when it comes to the judgment arc um, and kind of what Polnareff has to go through both physically and mentally. But before we do any of that, we need to do something very, very important. And that's give a shout out to our newest patron, hey. Powell. Woohoo! I'm going to let you also say the name because you know how to pronounce it better than I do. <laughs> yes, I am assuming that this is a Polish name, so I will say thank you, Paweł, for your support, or as they say in Polish, dziękuję. We certainly won't judge you for choosing us. And hopefully you don't judge me for not being able to pronounce your name correctly. That's the best that, that I can do, but I'm glad that Carl's here to uh, to correct me and and say it correctly but if any of you guys would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes our pre-show even see our show schedules ahead of time then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series just one piece of jojo news for this week and it's related to i guess the the upcoming or i don't know if this is already released in theaters um the new teenage mutant ninja turtles film called teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem which i'm i'm not a big ninja turtles fan but it, i think it's interesting that like the animation style reminds me a lot of the what is it, the spider-verse uh, films which i think it, it took inspiration from but i think another thing that these films took inspiration from uh kind of inadvertently is jojo's bizarre adventure uh i have a tweet here I don't even know if you call them tweets anymore, but it's from the website formerly known as Twitter, now called X. Um, this is a tweet or a post from IGN, which says, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure reference in TMNT Mutant Mayhem inspired by actors' fandom. Uh, the, script and, the script and recording coordinator for TMNT Mutant Mayhem made note of the JoJo's Bizarre, Bizarre Adventure Easter egg, which was inspired by Donatello voice actor micah abby's love for the anime so this post shows a picture of the ninja turtle donatello walking with his brothers and he's wearing a hoodie and it's not very clearly seen in the picture because it's kind of pixelated but uh the logo on the front of his hoodie 
looks like that of the Japanese logo for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's pretty cool. Like I, I think that's that's like exciting that there's a little JoJo reference in there. Um, you can tell they kind of like blur the logo a little bit, so it's not as like strikingly obvious. But to any JoJo fan, you'll you'll pick that shit up right away. I have a hat with the exact same logo on it. Yeah, so I guess uh, Donatello in this universe of Ninja Turtles is a fucking weeb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of our friends also brought up that his bow staff, his his main weapon, um, also includes a sticker of Gojo. So not Jojo, but Gojo ah. from Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, so yeah, clearly that anime influence um, over this Ninja Turtle and I think, it, again, it all stems from the voice actor for Donatello, which is, I don't know who Micah Abbey is. I think he's an actor. He was an actor on one of Nickelodeon's live action shows. So that's I don't how, know either. Yeah. But anyways, for those of you who are interested, we will provide a link to this tweet, to this post in our Discord. So if you are not already a member of our Discord, the link to that is in the description. So going back to why the Judgment arc is absolutely fucked up um, and why the whole arc is absolutely fucked for Polnareff in particular, I'm like, the whole time, even just in this first part of this arc, they really toy with his emotions, both with Avdol and with Sherry. Think about all mm. this guy has gone through. Is he an idiot? Yes. Is he naive? Yes. Is he too carefree? Yes. But damn, I don't think I don't think Paul and Raph deserved this. I don't think he deserved having his emotions whiplashed like this. This is this is a little much when you think about it. Yeah, it makes me wonder why Araki had focused so much of, or like a majority of this first half of part three, um, focusing that on Paul Nareff's character development uh, compared to a lot of the other Crusaders. Um, like I said earlier, it seems like Polnareff is just hogging the spotlight in this first half. But I think for this arc, it was needed because I think we we need an episode to turn Polnareff back down a couple notches because of all of the the outrageous stuff that he went through previously, and you know all the hijinks that he's caused um, at this point in the Crusaders' journey. But I agree with you. A lot of this episode borders on uneasiness as Polnareff is forced to confront his demons. And I guess like literally confront his demons because it appears right in front of him. And like, again, I, I think that Polnareff is at fault, not for the Sherry stuff, right? His sister, um, but for the Avdol stuff, right? Like he, he kind of picked a fight with Avdol when Avdol was just trying to keep him on the right path, which is trying to help him. Um, and like, we all know that Avdol doesn't die, but Polnareff thinks that he was the reason that Avdol was killed. Um, so he already holds, he like bears a lot of guilt as it is. And you can tell that there are moments between the quote unquote, you know, Avdol death or fake death or whatever, um, up until this point or this arc where he reflects on what had happened. And you can tell it's still like, it weighs heavily on him. So for the Crusaders to fuck with him this bad, where they keep Avdol a secret this entire time just from him, I get it. I think they explain in the next episode that they kept that a secret from Polnareff because Polnareff was likely to slip up and say something on accident. 
Mm. Or like, you know, reveal Abdul's identity while he was healing or whatever. Um, but still, it's like, damn, to go this far in like the final moments, like you're already on the island where Abdul's at. You could just tell him, hey, Paul Nareff, by the way, Abdul's been alive this whole time. But instead, <laughs> they go through this like dramatic song and dance where like they think or he anyway, Polnareff thinks that he's chasing after Abdul's dad and probably wants to like talk to the guy and apologize for his son's death and all that stuff. And then he gets upset and like walks off and then runs into an enemy stand user. It's like, oh my God, this poor guy. I mean, I don't blame the Crusaders for wanting to keep that from Polnareff because he is, I guess, the loose cannon of the group. But yeah, to go to such extreme measures, even for someone who has a very small brain under that flat top is uh yeah that's that might be a bit too much but all right jojo fans time for some wish unfulfillment as we crusade into our synopsis and discussion for part three episode 21 judgment part one the boys arrive at the island of no french manisan where they encounter the ghost of avdol past wait oops that's just his antisocial dad as Polnareff tries to find the right way to break the ice and tell Avdol Sr. that he was a successory to his son's murder, he comes across a rinky-dink lamp from which emerges a great value genie. Of course, Polnareff asks, Who the hail to you think you are? But reconsiders his skepticism when the suspicious specter stirs up some gold doubloons. Polnareff ponders on his proceeding appeal, ranging from being the next Osamu Tezuka to the next Walt Disney, to the next sexiest man alive, to a football-playing king in space with a mustache, but settles on the selfless request to bring his sister and Avdal back from the dead. However, my Sherry Amor turns out to be my Sherry no more, as she is revealed to be a ravenous cannibal who likes to eat cinnamon toast sibling for breakfast. Great Value Genie reveals himself to be the group's newest enemy stand, Judgment, who takes everyone's wishes and adds, in zombie form, to the end of them, because he don't give three fucks. Polnareff pleads for Judgmental Genie to return Sherry back from whence she came, but it seems this flat-topped Frenchman can't keep count, because this Arabian night is about to become an Arabian days when Avdal returns, but not in any good ways. And now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music and or tarot reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and not-so-ordinary world of tarot cards. So we have quite a few references in this episode. Uh, the first one is an interesting musical reference, and that's with the names that Avdol's dad imparts on the chickens that he takes care of, which are Michael, Prince, and Lionel. These are obvious references to Michael Jackson, Prince, and Lionel Richie, pop music icons and household names from the 1980s. The second musical reference comes with the quote-unquote name of the genie, which in reality is the enemy stand user's name, and that name is Cameo. This is a reference to Cameo, an American funk, hip-hop, and R&B band known for singles such as Rigor Mortis, Word Up, and Candy, which I fondly remember the, that last song. Remember listening to it on the radio in GTA San Andreas. And the last reference we have in this episode is with the enemy stand, Judgment. 
This is a tarot reference to Judgment, the 20th card in the tarot deck that focuses on self-reflection and advises one to grow, transform, and release hidden potentials within themselves, which I think applies very much to Polnareff in this arc as he is forced to confront some of his past demons, which are Avdol's and Sherry's deaths. The reversed judgment card indicates things such as poor logic, hasty judgment, self-doubt, and stagnation, some of which apply in the stand's ability to grant wishes with questionable and doubtful results. One interesting thing to note that I pulled from the JoJo Wiki is that it states that judgment is the second sentient stand to be introduced after Empress. Huh? Yeah. Because I know we've discussed this a couple times with some of the stands being sentient. Would you call judgment sentient? I just figured it was like the stand user communicating through the stand because isn't he hiding in the ground? Yeah. I mean, we'll see more of Cameo in the next episode, I'm sure. So maybe that'll clarify things. But yeah, I don't know if it like I think this is implying that Cameo is acting of his own accord as like like a genie character. Wait, what was the other one that they said? Or I'm sorry, not camp, judgment. That judgment is acting like a genie of his own accord. And this is the second sentient stand introduced after Empress. Empress? We don't have Empress on our list. <laughs> We've been keeping track of sentient stands for a while now. And we have, well, Yellow Tempress was kind of like a questionable one. I don't think really we, we had them. We have a bunch from part six. Um... Yeah, Empress, that was Nina's stand, and she was with Polnareff the whole time. Yeah, I guess I guess it was sentient. Because, yeah, it was talking to Joseph. Like, it, it couldn't be the stand user talking to Joseph if she was just listening to Polnareff's bullshit in that episode. But it could be, right? Like, if it's a manifestation of one's own mind, that's how, like, some... That's how they're able to kind of like talk through their stand. So I qualify a sentient stand as one that acknowledges the stand user as a separate entity, mm. right? Or vice versa, where the stand user acknowledges the stand as a separate entity, like actually like conversing with it, right? Like a separate sentient being. So I guess it's kind of hard to judge with Empress because we never saw Empress interact with Nina. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess if the JoJo Wiki says that they're sentient, um, I guess we can add them to the list. Here, I'll, I'll write them down right now. So Empress, I'll put according to the JoJo Wiki, and Judgment, according to the JoJo Wiki. All right, that's that's fair. I mean, the JoJo Wiki is, it's not like the be-all, end-all, but it's a pretty damn reliable source. And now it's time for the JoJo Meme Rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And we do have one. And it is Polnareff land. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> of course, all the memes are comparing or compare it to Disneyland um, or Disney World. Um, everyone wants to go to Disney World, but I want to go to Polnareff land is what you often see. And hey, I do want to go to Polnareff land. That shit looks fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who holds the license? I, I think it's WB that holds like the license for JoJo and... I know here in the States, I think it's like the Six Flags theme park that are affiliated with WB. 
So maybe Six Flags can rebrand as Polnareff Land. <laughs> I was going to say, like, a section of the park they could rebrand to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and call no, it. No, no, just change the, the whole, whole thing. Whole Six Flags thing. is gross now. No one likes going <laughs> there. Now it's time to rebrand as Polnareff Land. And, I, and trust me, the weebs will come. The JoJo fans will come flocking. Yeah, especially if they have a statue of Polnareff doing that arms wide pose like he is in the iconic shot from this episode. Uh, if that's front and center at the very start of the theme park. But that's the only meme I picked up on in this episode. As always, if we missed any, please reach out and let us know. So diving into this episode, as always, we start with um, a quick check-in to see if they use the nickname JoJo. I don't think they use JoJo in this episode. I didn't catch it. Um, I don't know if you happened to notice it. No, I, I did not. So yeah, it seems like we're getting further and further away from the nickname JoJo being used, um, at least in, in part three. Um, but the the episode starts off with the group, um, you know, kind of doing their thing, heading over to um, this island. Uh, but there is a an interesting, I don't know if you call it like a pun or a joke or a play on words, but at the beginning of this episode, Kakyoin says like Indokare, like Indian person or Indian man. Um, and in Japanese, kare means like he or him or they or them, like, you know, referring to a person. Um, so again, he says Indokare, but Polnareff misunderstands him and says um, and thinks that he says Indian curry because curry in Japanese oh. is pronounced kare. So like very similar, if not the same pronunciation. So I, I I caught that because I learned a bit of Japanese in college, but I wonder if that joke lands for people reading the subtitles. <laughs> Did it land for you? I try, I'm trying to remember what the subtitles said in that same part. Okay, we just rewatched it really quick. Um, so the context at the beginning of this episode is that uh, they land on the island, um, and then I think this is where, like, Joseph's telling the, the Crusaders that this is where um, a certain person lives, because that's what he was told um, by him back in India. So, like, he's, say <laughs> he's saying, like, Kade, like, not being specific about who it is by saying he told me back in India versus, like, a particular individual, like, th their name, like, Abdul told me back in India or whatever. Um, so then Kakyoin questions and he says, who? him like like saying like who's he or you know who's him um but when he's saying it he's saying kare and then polnareff thinks that he's saying like, indian, indian curry. curry instead of the word for him so that that's the joke um but the translation at least in the subtitles that we watched literally translates it literally so it just kind of looks like like polnareff for some reason heard kakyoin say indian curry even though he just said something not at all like that so again i don't know if the if the joke really lands for anyone who doesn't have some familiarity with the japanese or at least with the word kare so i thought i'd call that out there i probably explained it very poorly <laughs> because it's kind of a weird concept to explain yeah i i always find it interesting if translators for anime are able to recreate a play on words from the japanese into something in english I've seen it a couple times in other shows. One that I remember specifically is actually with like a joke in Uramichi Onisan, which I thought was brilliant on the translator's part. But 
I, I would think here it was just difficult for them to kind of emphasize the misunderstanding of like Indian curry from something that Joseph said about the person in in India. It does bring up an interesting concept, though, among the Crusaders. Like, what language are they speaking? What is the common language among the Crusaders? Is it All English? Right. Is it Japanese? Like, I know literally in the show, they're speaking Japanese if you're watching the sub, or they're literally speaking English if you're watching the, uh, the English dub. Um, but if you think about, like, in the real world... You'd have Paul Nareff speaking French. You'd have mm-hmm. Kakyoin and Jotaro speaking Japanese. You'd have Joseph, who would be speaking English, but probably like a decent level of conversational Japanese since his daughter lives there um, and he's got a Japanese grandson. And then you'd have Avdol, who would be speaking probably English, but also... Mm-hmm. Arabic. Yeah. So what I mean, the common language most likely would be English, just based off of like the real world. Um, but let's say that Polnareff knows Japanese as a French individual. Um, it is plausible that this this funny misunderstanding could happen when he hears like, you know, yeah. the words Indian and the word kare or Indo, um, which is Japanese for for India, and the word kare to think like, oh, are you saying Indian curry? Because that's very common, right? Like. There's, there's curry is a very common dish in India. So that makes me think: is is Polnareff just lost in translation? Yeah, <laughs> he's not speaking either of the other characters' like <laughs> primary languages. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just like a, a funny concept. I'm like, if if this were the real world and we stumbled upon the Crusaders, how would they communicate with each other? They would just communicate telepathically with their stands. Yeah, and then the stands would translate to their respective languages. So we talked about why this arc is wild. And to me, like one of the funniest parts is that everyone knows that Avdol is okay. And when you think about that, when you know that, like going back and rewatching this episode, especially these early scenes, you're like, holy shit, Avdol is playing the fucking part of like being his dad just to fuck with Polnareff. Like he's going all out pretending mm-hmm. to be his dad. His hair is white. He's acting erratic. Um, he's like pretending like he doesn't want to hear about his son's death and all that. I'm like, dude, you're just doing this to fuck with Polnareff. Now, Avdol, I think- It's to is, teach him a lesson. Yeah, Avdol's allowed to do that, right? Because Avdol got shot in the fucking head. Gra- granted, he didn't get like, the bullet didn't enter his head. It like grazed his head. But Avdol went through some shit having to deal with Polnareff's stubbornness. So I think he, he of all crusaders, is allowed to do this. It's just so funny how dedicated Avdol is to pulling this off. Then you have to wonder, like, logistically how they were able to pull this off. And I don't remember, like, I know Avdol shows up in the next episode, but I don't remember, like, the planning behind this because, like, how would Avdol have communicated to Joseph about this happening? I think they briefly touch on it in the next episode, but I actually don't really remember it either. Um, I'm going to guess Speedwagon Foundation probably had a hand in it. Yeah. But to, like... Add how add to how wild this is. You have Joseph, who then like pretends to introduce himself to this quote unquote Avdol's dad. And I'm like, you guys are going all out. And then when when Joseph says to the group, Oh, this is Avdol's dad, or like they see him or whatever, they all act surprised. Even Jotaro acts surprised. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's in on it, like from the beginning. I'm pretty sure he and Kakyoin know the truth of what's going on. But they're like, for Jotaro to even go above and beyond and act surprised, assuming he does know from the beginning, is uh, that's dedication. That's how bad they want to fuck with Polnareff. You know what this reminds me of? And you're going to hate this reference. Uh oh. 
This reminds me of The Dark Knight. No. <laughs> this reminds me of a, a punishment on the show Impractical Jokers. Oh god, here we go. Where the, the, the three of the jokers were in on a prank and they wanted to prank one of the other jokers, but it was this whole ordeal uh and yeah, I think it, it was an ordeal that took a couple of months and then they revealed what happened to the Joker that was being pranked. It's the same thing here with Polnareff. Like all of this time and energy invested into making sure that he, he kind of learns a lesson and gets a little bit better sense of closure from his past. Yeah, and like this this keeps going. Like the whole like facade it just plays out in the whole first part of this episode cuz then Joseph claims that he didn't tell the crusaders about Abdul's dad um being on this island to protect his dad from Dio. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And then and this all kind of like triggers Polnareff to recall like the experience of of, you know, having Abdul die, like being a part of of what had transpired. And then Joseph tells Polnareff like, "It's not your fault and um, you know, don't worry about it or whatever, but Polnareff still feels like so fucking guilty. And I'm just like, holy shit, you guys see like firsthand how guilty he feels, how shitty he feels about all of this. <laughs> and you just keep it going. It's to the point where Polnareff walks off. He, he leaves the group to like, you know, to be alone, to reflect on like everything and like deal with his guilt and grapple with what happened to Avdol. And I was like, oh my God. And he, he also kind of struggles because he says it was for him to get revenge for his sister, like the whole Jay Guile incident. But then it cost him Avdol's life. So, I mean, to, to be so dedicated um, and, and just leave your home and and chase down this guy who killed your sister. You finally get there, but at what cost? Like he thinks that he's going to get his revenge and finally have this like weight lifted off of his shoulders, but then another weight's placed on it as Avdol quote unquote dies in the process. Like the guy went through a lot. Yeah. I think this goes back to my point of this episode, kind of bringing Polnareff back down to earth after him like womanizing uh with nina or the whole toilet shit with uh um, <laughs> yaba uh here i think it's just reminding him of like the seriousness of this situation by having him confront a, a serious portion of the journey that he was on with the crusaders uh, of course he's gonna live with this burden of inadvertently causing Avdal's death, even though it's revealed later that Avdal's all fine and dandy, but also just uh, calling back um, his memories of Sherry. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, a moment of catharsis that Polnareff needed ultimately um, in order to, I mean, be, like I, obviously he's a part of the Crusaders, but I think here it allows him to fully be invested in their journey um and this scene of him walking off uh to another portion of the island and reflecting or like having a moment of self-reflection i love the soundtrack that goes with this it's a very melancholy violin melody also has a little bit of like french melody tones to it um the track by the way for anyone who's interested it's called sorrow and it's on the album jojo's bizarre adventure stardust crusaders ost journey 
which unfortunately isn't available on Spotify, but I'm sure you could rip it off another music source. And we all know what eventually happens to Avdal at the end of Stardust Crusaders. And when we get there, we'll we'll talk about how much of a roller coaster that is for Polnareff to experience Avdal's death like twice in, in a sense. Um, but for now, he's only had to experience it once. And so Polnareff finds a magic lamp, um, tries rubbing the barnacles off of it, um, but then ends up activating it, you know, rubbing the lamp to, to get the genie out or whatever. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, is the lamp part of the stand or was the stand just like chilling in there for theatrics? Maybe it's just like how everything else in this arc is a bunch of theater and the, uh, yeah, cameo or judgment also wanted to be in on like the theatricality of everything. And so (laughs) he came out of the lamp. It was just missing the the friend like me performance (laughs) after that. It's okay because we get hailed to you instead. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, since you bring up that phrase, uh, I was kind of researching online like the significance of why it's hail to you like with two being the number two or i think it's translated also as fortune be with you but from what i was reading i think it's phrased as to you because of the singer Sinead o'connor's popular cover of the prince song nothing compares to you uh which is interesting because i believe Sinead passed away recently yeah, I think so. Yeah, so timing of this episode is, is kind of kind of wild. Um, and also, the lyrics of that Prince song are about somebody desperately wanting someone back, or you could say wishing for them back. So who does that sound like? Oh, man. There's, there's a lot of significance there I didn't realize. But luckily, Polnareff immediately suspects um, the genie to be a stand. I think he's learning that he needs to be more careful um, around these uh, very weird situations. Um, and then, of course, the stand judgment tells him all about the wishes and Polnareff's, uh, he makes his first wish to be super rich, finds gold from the Napoleon era, I think. Um, and then the stand has him make his second wish and Polnareff is understandably super cautious saying that the stand is trying to trick him. And I really think that Judgment's whole deal here, um, because it's it's weird, like Judgment's not like the stand itself isn't fighting, but it's creating a situation where Polnareff can be killed. It's kind of like the whole idea of be careful what you wish for. That's kind of what I'd sum this the stand up to be like. If there was a way to summarize the stand's ability, the ability is be careful what you wish for. Yeah, because there's always a, a catch with the wish. Although for the one with the treasures, there's not really one. It's just it's just there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like explosive gold or something. <laughs> it blows up when you try to take it. So then Polnareff um, gives in to temptation pretty quickly after being super cautious a moment beforehand, and he starts kind of rattling off things that that he would want. He says that he wants to be made into a manga artist like he wanted to be when he was a kid, and then he says um, he wants to be bigger than Disney, which is, of course leads us to the Polnareff land meme, but it's interesting that they can reference Disney in part three, but not in part six. I'm guessing there's probably some tie-in to like when Warner Brothers came into the picture because we all know that there mm-hmm. are some pretty significant memed moments in part six that directly reference Disney and Disney characters that did not make it into the anime. Maybe because this was just a general statement about 
Disney. Like there weren't. There's no IP. Yeah, you know, like weren't. I mean, maybe like using the name Disney itself. Uh, yeah. You could argue that, but like nothing specifically to Disney characters as compared to what we saw in part six. So even though I'm touting Paul Nareff as being um, optimistic, not optimistic, but uh, understandably cautious, he then very quickly lets his guard down um, because he's naive, as we all know, and says that he wants other things like a girlfriend, love, um, but then really what he ends up wanting is to bring someone back from the dead. And he... um, he says that he wants to have his dead sister brought back because he kind of figures that the stand can't do that. That's got to be, in his mind, it's got to be the one thing that the stand can't achieve because how do you bring someone back from the dead? Um, and that is when we're hit with the eye catch. Which are the stand stats for Silver Chariot, Polnareff stand. Although we've seen this previously in part three, episode eight, where that was the most recent use of silver chariot as a stand stat in part three episode eight the devil so we'll move on so now things get like really freaky so to be to be fair the whole episode after polnareff leaves the group kind of has this eerie vibe to it but when we come back from the eye catch that's when things get like really amplified things get really eerie because at this point it's it's almost playing that out like a horror movie Polnareff hears this digging in the distance and then suddenly a woman crying and it feels freaky instead of hopeful and he sees this like not like a silhouette well he does at a certain point see a silhouette but it's a little bit um, after kind of these things are building and he hears his sister's voice and then he ends up crying tears of joy because he believes it to be Sherry brought back from the dead Mm mm-hmm you get a quick snippet of like what the Crusaders are doing um, right in the middle of this where they're out looking for Polnareff, wondering if he ran into an enemy stand user. And of course he did because this is the enemy stand user of the week formula. Wouldn't you th- like think they'd hear Polnareff like shouting in the distance? Probably. He couldn't have had gone. He could not have gone that far. Like I, yeah, I think he'd I be think within this, shouting distance. This for island sure. should, couldn't be that big. Yeah. Yeah, uh, unless he'd been walking like all fucking evening, then mm-hmm. maybe he was too far away. Who knows? Really quick, uh, I think I mentioned like there were part six vibes with the last episode that we did with uh, Death 13. I f- feel like this scene also gave me part six vibes because of this grassy environment. I don't know if you picked this up too. Like, the the color scheme the the setting reminded me of the episodes where we see the green baby in the florida grasslands oh yeah kind of yeah this gave off the same sort of feel it's kind of similar premise to like the the joe bro a uh, joe bro or jojo characters chasing after a certain enemy yeah i could see that although I think when you think about like the larger environment, a, a small island is very different than like the Florida plains or whatever they're called. Yeah, but I guess like the the vegetation of these scenes, it was like grassy, right? Yeah. In both cases. So yeah, I just was thinking of part six when this came up. So Polnareff runs after who he believes to be Sherry. He's recalling these beautiful memories about her before her murder um, and, you know, just remembering all the good times, like picking up his little sister and like swinging her in circles. And I think he like gifted her an umbrella 
at one point of course it ends with her being like killed by by jay guy which we've seen that scene play out before in polnareff's memories um, but then he comes across dead birds that have been eaten and um again this whole thing is leading up to a reunion that is not going to be hopeful that's not going to be positive it's still being very eerie and creepy so when he finally reaches sherry she's like playing coy and says things like oh you'll hate me if you come too close or stay away i don't want you to see me um and she it's kind of interesting because she recalls a memory of when she killed Polnareff's pet fish or something when they were kids um and at first I wondered like how can she even remember something like that but I'm guessing it's because like it's this is all a manifestation of like what's in Polnareff's mind because mm-hmm. there's no way judgment or the the enemy stand user knows what Sherry looks like knows what she sounds like remembers these memories that the two of them shared so the stan's ability must be to like draw from the individual's memories to be able to manifest any of the stuff which is kind of crazy if you think about like the stan can literally tap into your brain can tap into your memories to manifest something that's a lot of potential i don't think it can do it like on command like it has to be through a wish as it was in this case but that's that's a lot to that's a lot to digest yeah it's kind of scary like (laughs) like your your private information uh cameo or judgment will have access to in that moment like with whatever you wish for and i think the whole point of sherry mentioning this memory of polnareff like his pet fish or whatever and her accidentally killing it is not to like push Polnareff away because she's saying like don't come close you'll hate me if you come close I actually think she's trying to she's intentionally trying to lure Polnareff into this false sense of security by making him feel like this is the legitimate Sherry because she's she sounds the same she looks the same she has the same memories um and kind of using his desperation to see his sister again um kind of using that against him which again is why this whole arc is just like so fucked up that mm-hmm. is so heavy that's that, that's a lot to put the poor guy through yeah cuz obviously he's so enamored and emotional at seeing his dead sister alive before his very eyes that I think anyone in this situation would sort of disregard all logic just to just to go up to them to hug them and and reunite with them but obviously I think we all pretty much know seeing this scene play out that that something's something's not sitting right something's or, not sitting right is that the, the <laughs> mad, mad TV yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's that's exactly what kind of plays out. Like, Polnareff goes to meet his sister, and then she attacks him and bites his thick-ass neck and shoulder muscles and then continues to eat away at him. And I'm like, how fucking strong is this bitch? If she can bite into those thick-ass neck muscles, like, what the hell? She just did it like she was biting through a piece of paper. And so then Polnareff is freaking out, understandably so, because he thinks he's about to be reunited with his dead sister and instead gets attacked by, like, some zombie version of her. So he calls out for judgment, um, and when the stand appears, he says, I'm gonna make my third wish. This is fucked up. Fuck you. I'm gonna make my third wish, and it's to make my sister disappear back to the earth. And then judgment's like... Return her to earth. Yeah. And judgment's like, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, And he explains that his power is to make what people want, but he can't unmake it after. So he can create what you wish for, but he can't undo that wish or undo what he created, which I kind of call bullshit, but like maybe that is the case. Like, 
aren't you controlling the manifestation of Sher of Sherry anyway? Like someone's got to be controlling it and making it like animate and come to life. Yeah, I think it, this is more like he just wanted to fuck with Polnareff. Everyone's by, by fucking with Polnareff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it reminds Polnareff, uh, it's it being judgment, reminds Polnareff that he already made his third wish because back when he asked for Sherry, he also inadvertently asked for Avdol. Dun, and that's dun, what's going to lead dun. us into the next episode, part two of Judgment. We're going to see uh, more Polnareff being uh, whiplashed back and forth with his emotions. <laughs> I just can't get over how sad <laughs> this is for him. Like, Rocky really did a number on Polnareff here. Yeah, and then even worse after this part when we see what happens in part five. Like... In part part five? Part five, Golden Oh, Wind. yeah. Okay. Well, this is okay. We've talked about this before, and I still think this would be such a great uh, like discussion to have. Polnareff, to me, is still the most tragic character in all of JoJo, like to this day. And I forgot about the Judgment arc. I said that before I even remembered how fucked up the Judgment arc is for Polnareff. So if you take everything that happens to Polnareff in part three, the death of Iggy, the death of Avdol... Um, separating from the Crusaders and then, you know, turning into a fucking turtle after being wheelchair bound and like chased down by Diavolo, all that shit that happens. Add on top of that what he has to go through in the judgment arc. This poor guy, definitely the most tragic character. I will stand by that. This Polar kind of reminds me of this Bible story, the story of Job, uh, which maybe like if we ever have that, that discussion i can bring up the bible story but it's also just about this guy who just experiences so much tragedy in his life uh but yeah i can't think right now of any other character in jojo who's had to have gone through so much shit like polnareff even though he's just this happy-go-lucky frenchman who just happened to join these characters on this journey like, like did, did he really deserve all of this? But, you know. And that brings us to our final thoughts for Part 3, Episode 21, Judgment Part 1. So, did this episode rub you the wrong way? Um, I mean, I guess kind of, but not really. Like, it's just, it's interesting to watch um, the the shit that Polnareff has to struggle through with this arc. I mean, I've said it multiple times already. This is wild. This is fucked up. But it's also a really cool episode because it's so... It's so, it so much evokes what you feel when you watch a horror movie. And this has been a common thing throughout part three. But I feel like since some of the earlier episodes, we've kind of moved away from, like, the truly scary, eerie shit. And into more like things that that take aspects of scary movies, but don't feel exactly like scary, right? Like mm -hmm. the Inyaba arc, right? Like there's zombies. Um, there's like her stand that's like a fucking ghost in the sky. I know it's like it's like air basically. Like it's not a physical stand, um, but you know it, it's it looks like a skeleton. All the shit you've got, um, fucking baby stand with Manish boy. And the lollyhoo and all that shit like it's it's a clown it's it's a, a a carnival it's got a scythe like there there are elements that are part of the scary genre because i can't say the word horror um the scary genre but as far as episodes episodes that actually evoke fear 
and like evoke eeriness and creepiness, this is definitely one of them. I feel like the last one that really did that was the orangutan episode. You don't Strength. think, um, well, I would say in Yalba's justice arc with the town, that kind of had eerie vibes to it. it. The town kind of did, but then it went in this like comedic direction once Inyava and Polnareff yeah, actually true. got together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, I would say the town did, but if we're talking like a full arc that was like fucking freaky, I would, to me, I think the last one we got like that was strength. So if we're going from strength to now judgment, um, we're back on that like scary, scary movie train. But any, either way, I still really enjoyed it as, as fucked up as it was to watch everything. Um, and I, I'm kind of curious to compare what's more fucked up, this part one or part two. We'll, we'll have to see. But what about you? I thought this was a solid first part episode that just throws us back into some Polnareff drama because we know there's so much drama in Polnareff's life in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, despite him still harboring his goofy self and formulating his wishes to the enemy genie stand, this felt like a necessary episode to bring Polnareff back down to earth in finding closure with his past and in reconciling with the death of Avdol, even though that gets completely flipped on its head in the subsequent episode. Uh, I also particularly enjoyed the horror-inspired build-up to seeing the deformed Sherry, even if we all saw it coming a mile away, showing us once again on this journey that things are not always as they seem, even if Araki chose quite an aggressive and quite a literal way for Polnareff to confront his demons. But am I ready for Judgment Part 2? Yes, I am. <laughs> Hail to you. Lolly ho. We've got sayings for days. Oh my god. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> Why are they all in threes? <laughs> Three syllables. Well, thank you guys as always for tuning in and hope you're enjoying the Judgment Arc as much as we are or maybe you think it's as fucked up as we do. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter or X or whatever, I don't know, at Strictly Series and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.